Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. I'm going to invite Tyler to come. He has a great message. I love that God has been um, speaking to their hearts about living life to the full. And so I just believe that that's a word in season and a word for the next few weeks as we, we carry on in Generations Church. So be encouraged this morning. So, uh, as Pastor Amy said, I am here to talk about living life to the fullest. Um, as I prayed to get ready for this message, um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm a bit of a problem solver type of personality. Uh, I have a tendency to look at problems and try and figure out how to fix them. And it's, for Christine at least, a bit irritating at times. Uh, not every problem is going to automatically be solved by what I say or do. But I can't help but have that mindset every time I look at something. Uh, and even a sermon for me ends up kind of in that same light. I end up looking at a sermon and thinking, okay, God, what problem am I going to solve? How am I going to make the world a better place through the words that you impart in me and I deliver? And the, the question that kept coming back to me is, why isn't my life amazing? And uh, I know for... Lots of you guys, and my family is no different. 2020 felt hard. Um, we started the year out with um, my, on my mom's side of the family, my cousin uh, lost his daughter in a really kind of brutal car accident. And that was our opening to 2020. And I looked at social media this week a little bit while I had the week off, and lots of stuff on there was like, all this doom and gloom kind of posts, people talking about how uh, 2020 was the worst ever. You know, there was all the posts about it. it started with the fires, and then it went to the, you know, we lost Kobe, and then COVID, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and even, even the way I talked about lots of 2020, when I look back at my own words, the things that came out of my mouth, I found them a bit troubling. Like, I just, I, I kind of want to wash my own mouth out with soap, just a little bit. Um, and so, I just, I just, I, I was in the same situation that lots of the world was, where I was just, ugh. that's the only way I can really describe it. Um, and so, getting, getting ready and gearing up for this service, life to the fullest, I was kind of milling about going to that question, and the verse that I have is uh, John chapter 10, verses 7 to 10, and it goes like this. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I also read the Amplified version, and that tale in there, the Amplified says, I came that they may have life and enjoy life. Or so they, they may have have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. And I love those parentheses at the end. It says, to the full, till it overflows. Um, I really identify with that imagery of overflowing. Um, I know that looking around at social media and even the way I've talked, I kind of talked cup half empty and lots of the way that people are referencing 2020 as a cup half empty kind of year. 
Um, my question is, what is it that's stopping that abundance then? Is it actually that 2020 and the year was that brutal? Or is it possible that we, I, am damming up that abundance and stopping it from overflowing? Um, is it my negative focus, the focus on all the things that are not happening the way I want them to happen, that are stopping me from being able to really enjoy everything that there is to enjoy? Um, okay, so at the tail end of 2020, I got myself some glasses. And I have always wanted glasses. I have wanted glasses since, I don't know, if you ask Christine, probably since I was uh, dating her. I've always thought that I look quite dignified in glasses, that I put them on and all of a sudden I look like I'm an adult. And I think that people will treat me like an adult if I put glasses on. Um, I know that that's not entirely true. Um, but. I've always, there's that fashion show side of me where I've always been like, you know, put the glasses on and you just become that little bit more, you know, adult. And that's always been something I've struggled with. Um, I, at, at the end of the year though, my eyes decided that they were going to clarify for me that it wasn't just fashion show that I needed glasses, that I actually needed glasses. I began to notice that some of the things that I was able to do, see, I was kind of struggling with. I began to, you know, fight and squint to see some of the stuff that I've always seen. So we went into the doctor and they got me my glasses and I put them on. And even that very first day when I walked out of the doctor's office and we went to, I think, Shoppers Drug Mart, I was looking at some of the panels around the store and I could read some of those little subtext things that I had always been able to read in previous years. I was able to see them with clarity and perfection and I looked at those signs and I was like, oh, this brand. And, it has, and I said it to Christine and she was like, I can't even see that with my glasses. So my eyesight putting those glasses on brought me back to my 20s where I was like absolutely perfect vision. I wasn't blind previously. I have what's called an astigmatism, which even though I'm a science teacher, I don't actually even know what that word means. Um, I needed correction. I needed to have my vision made better. And this brings me back to Jesus. So when Jesus is talking in those verses, and he says, I am the doorway, um, what he's saying, what he's telling you is that he's the entry point for the life that you want. He's like the lens that allows you to see things in his way. We live currently in the most prosperous time in all of history. You and I have more... Uh, prosperity, more ability to live the good life, in quotation marks, um, than anyone else in the history of mankind. I looked it up, and in the time that John was writing that, uh, those verses, the average life expectancy was 35. Today, a, a North American male lives to 82 on average, and a female's 85. So we're over double what he was experiencing that time. And yet, we still struggle with this. We live in a culture that teaches us to feel discontent. 
And I think one of the biggest challenges this year especially has been being content. Why don't we see the abundance? The fullness that Jesus came to give. So Paul said in Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 10 to 12, he said, The Lord gives me a reason to be full of joy. It is because you are able to care for me again. I want you to know that, uh, sorry, I know you wanted to before, but you didn't have a way to help me. I'm not saying I need anything. I have learned to be happy with whatever I have. I know how to get along with little, and I know how to live with when I have much. I have learned the secret of being happy at all times. I am, if I am full of food and have all I need, I am happy. I am hungry and need more, I am happy. That full, abundant, overflowing life that we seek to live is right here. It's in our hands. If you pass through the gate and, find your, and count yourself as one of uh, the saved, one of God's elect, I don't know how you want to put it, um, you are experiencing the abundant life. That abundant life isn't measured in square footage. It's not measured in horsepower or likes or shares or follows or any of those things that we have a tendency to measure our lives by. The life that Christ promised is measured in your ability to take whatever God has blessed you with and love it like it's the best gift you've ever received. So uh, on New Year's Eve, we decided to hunker down. Uh, we got invitations to go out and look at the fireworks, and we had made decisions that we were going to be watching some of the movies that uh, we were watching the Marvel movie Marathon, and so we decided we were going to carry on with that. Uh, and we got all these... I, sorry, I realize this is a little bit terrible of me, but I really enjoyed watching all these posts come out at 10 o'clock of people being like, ugh, 2020 took something else from me again. And there were all these people just like, I can't see anything, I can hear it. And we could hear it from our house. But sure enough, there was so much fog, you couldn't see a single firework if you were on the ground level. And I, I just kind of chuckled inside at the fact that people were missing out on that. Not that they were missing out on it, but that they were able to, they knew it was happening, but they just couldn't see it. <laughs> well, congratulations. You live on top of a hill. That gets me to my next point. So my sister lives up on top of Richmond Hill. And she talked about the fireworks like they were the best fireworks she's ever seen. They went to the end of their driveway from the top of Richmond Hill, looked down onto Grand Prairie, and all of those fireworks that were exploding above the fog, they were exactly like every firework she'd ever seen, but the layer of fog underneath gave her this extra little dancing bit of light, and she said it just looked majestic. She said it was the best firework she's ever watched. And that's the kicker with 2020 and with the way that we look at the world and the way that we... The way that we look at everything around us. When you take Christ's gift of salvation and joy and give it to the others, other, others around you, you're able to see the light through the fog. And if you try really hard, you might even be able to see that there is greater beauty in amongst those hardships. Greater beauty in spite of the fog. Then you take that gift and you allow it to overflow into the lives of those around you. So the short answer to my question, why isn't my life amazing? 
my eyesight needed adjustment. I needed to step out from under the fog, put some glasses on, and get better perspective on that abundance. Good morning. <laughs> so today, I'll talk about living life to the full and obtaining that by focusing on servanthood. So the topic of servanthood is uh, very important to me because I like action, not just talking about ideas, but some actual things I can do. But it's not just a to-do list. These things we can do are out of response to the sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross, or he, he offered on the cross. So let's start with some Bible. John chapter 10, verse 10. He's, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that, I, that, that you may have life and have it to the full. This is why Jesus came. He wants us to fully live. He wants us to experience fulfillment unlike anything we can find on our own. Jesus gives us very clear instructions on how to live a life of servanthood in the Beatitudes. You can think of it like a blueprint for servanthood. The Beatitudes are taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3 through 12, from the Passion Translation. Jesus says, What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty. For theirs is the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait upon the Lord, for you will find what you are looking for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched are you when you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace, for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when you bear the wounds of being prosecuted for doing what is right, for that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. So each of these points can be broke down into a message on their own, but I'd like to just stick to three general observations about the Beatitudes as a whole. Number one, they are not multiple choice. You can't pick your favorite one. You can't pick a couple to choose and live by. These are eight character traits that identify true servanthood when they're combined together. Jesus states all the qualities to live by that will cause us to lead a different lifestyle that is pleasing to him. One that will place others above ourselves 
and line up our will with that of God's will. Fullness of life comes as the result of focusing on all eight. Second, these traits as a whole are the key to inner happiness. Each of these traits offers the promise of happiness, delight, blessing, enrichment, satisfaction, bliss, joy. When the temptation to indulge in self-focused desire is traded for the traits that focus on others. Jesus repeats that same idea eight times, eight times consecutively. Do you think he's trying to get us to understand something really important? Jesus knows that humans desire inner happiness, inner peace. God placed that desire in us from creation. We are created in his image. Worldly view offers a ton of ideas on how to live life to the fullest, most of which center on focusing on ourselves. Travel, take risks, create your own opportunities. Not saying these are bad things, we should enjoy life. The desire to live rather than simply exist is what separates us from the animals. Um, Jesus is telling us that those who enter into these traits found in the Beatitudes will find lasting happiness. And number three, Jesus promises to us a particular benefit for each trait mentioned. In the message translation, he says, you are blessed. And then he says the trait when you're at the end of your rope. And then he gives a promise. With less of you, there is more of God. So I've experienced that end of the rope several times in life. Owning a business provides a lot of opportunity to be faced with my shortcomings. For a long time, I felt, the, felt God's call for me to serve others through the work I do on their vehicles. Um, by developing my God-given abilities, uh, that's one way that I'm able to live life to the full by using those God-given abilities to serve other people. My first attempt at opening a shop, it was in a partnership with someone I had worked with throughout my career as a mechanic. And it only took a few months for me to realize that we operated very differently and actually wanted something very, div very different for the business. In order for me to stay in that partnership, I would have to forego running my business the way that I felt God was leading me to. I needed to get out of that situation. But I felt very defeated, very discouraged. I had invested everything. Money, time, energy. My entire customer base that I had built over the years, my lawyer advised me how to get out of that partnership, how to open another shop. But unfortunately, I would not be allowed to contact all those customers and let them know to follow me to my new business. If I did that, that could open me up to be sued by the previous partner. So if they contact me, that's okay, but I can't contact them. I had to leave my previously built customer base. That was everything. That, that's what it was all about. I had to leave that behind. So I opened my new shop, no customer base, no jobs lined up. All I could do was pray. 
That circumstance pushed me to completely surrender my business to God. It was in his hands. There was truly less of me, more of God. There was nothing I could do. I asked him to provide because I couldn't. And sure enough, he did. That first day, as I was walking into my shop, my personal phone rang. It was a previous customer that called my personal phone rather than my shop phone, the, the old shop phone. I had work. <laughs> Things like that continued to happen for a while. Uh, it wasn't a lot at first, but I was able to pay the bills. My focus remains on making sure that I serve others with the work I do rather than worrying about if I make enough money. I continue to pray. God continues to provide even through the continued hard times. Ups and downs, struggles with hiring, issues that arise with that. I continue to focus on being grateful for God's provision. I know the main reason he placed me in this business is to serve and care for his people. So I'm not saying that following God and his pro that, that he promises that we'll always be happy or that things will always work out how we hope they will. Happiness is one of those emotions that we have been given by God, and we can accept it as one of his good gifts. But like any other emotion, it's dependent on circumstances, and it can quickly vanish. It fades when your child becomes sick, when the career of your dreams turns out to be the world's worst job, or when your health disappears. So God may not guarantee us constant happiness, by having a relationship with him, but he does promise an ever-flowing source of joy. Joy that knows and reminds us that our security is in our restored relationship with God. That can only come when we surrender our will to him. Surrendering is essential to a full life in him. Jesus is able to welcome us into life because he didn't stay surrendered to death. Three days after he died on the cross, he rose again, resurrected to life. So invite him into every situation. Live life to the fullest by responding to the prompting from the Holy Spirit. And when you do respond, you get to experience blessing, enrichment, bliss. How ecstatic you can be when you're not putting yourself first. Less of me, more of God. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.